0: Rob Martier does news at WLS Radio, and he also covers Illini games there. What makes him unique is how he's one of the few radio broadcasters in Chicago, and maybe the only one, who spent several years covering sports in Canada. Right, We're in some back room at WLS somewhere, and it's very luxurious back here. But um, how long have you worked here?
1: Uh, Margaret, it's so funny how time flies, but it's been over a year and a half now so it's, it's been fun. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, it's incredibly nice here. I should take pictures, but um, so you, also before we started recording, you were talking about Montreal, and you lived there a while ago, I think?
1: Yeah, I came back in 2009, but I was in Montreal for the better part of eight years working at CJAD Radio, which is essentially the WLS or WGN radio of Montreal, Quebec. It's a uh, English radio at the time we broadcast a lot of sports but it was a news talk format and we had our hosts that would come in and do their time slots and talk about whatever the hot topics were in Canada at the time or in Quebec and uh, it was it was a great uh, training ground it was a great learning ground for me Uh, it was a great way to really uh, cut my teeth and gain a lot of experience in really what is a it is a big market it was a lot of fun.
0: Are you Canadian?
1: No, I was born... People mistake that a lot, and but I was born in Pittsburgh. I grew up in Glenview, just north of Chicago, so I'm I'm American.
0: <laughs> so how did you end up in Canada?
1: Uh, my ex-wife is French-Canadian, uh, and we have twins. Uh, in fact, they uh, just turned 20, so happy about that.
0: And you only look like 30. Seriously, they look really good. Well,
1: I, I appreciate that. I, I hope I sound young, too, but no, I, I've aged well, fortunately, so... Um, but no, we uh, Canada was great to me. I really enjoy it. Uh, in fact, I I consider Montreal uh, kind of my my home as well. Even though I'm I'm happy to be back here in Chicago, uh, I do miss Montreal quite a bit. So
0: why do you consider it your home?
1: Because I spent so much time there, and my career really flourished up there. Um, at the time, I was anchoring and reporting on sports, and I got to do a lot. I mean, Montreal is really a hotbed of neat things to do from pga golf to uh the president's cup uh, golf tournament to uh you know various skins games there was tennis that pulled through the tennis master series formula one racing nascar racing indycar racing not to mention the Canadian Football League and then, of course, the NHL. People are just hockey crazy up there. That happens to be my favorite sport as well. And I was on the Canadians beat, so I covered the Montreal Canadiens for the better part of eight years.
0: Well, about hockey, when you were a fan of hockey and not a lot of fans were here, how did you feel about that?
1: You mean coming back here? And, you know, Chicago, we're lucky because we've been spoiled with the Blackhawks, not recently, but, you know, three Stanley Cups over, what, seven, eight years now? I mean, that's that's a fairly decent run for a franchise that had some lean years. And so being here back in Chicago, you, you know, finding hockey fans, not a hard thing to do. But uh, being up there, I equate covering Canadians hockey to if you were covering the Bears or the Cubs. It is relentless. It is nonstop. It is media coverage that sometimes borders on insane when you're covering the Canadians and as as being part of that media pool. Um, it was uh, it was fun and it was intense and sometimes things got a little dicey with fellow members of the media, but uh, I enjoyed it.
0: But what I mean is, okay, I know that now there are a lot of hockey fans because the Blackhawks did well, but it, before that, Blackhawks were doing well. There weren't a lot of hockey fans. Did you come back to Chicago during that time?
1: Uh, actually, left Chicago uh, prior to the Kane and Taves years and then you know, all the rest of those missing pieces that they applied to the team uh, to make their championship runs. But um, you know, there's always been a, a strong base, Chicago Blackhawks being one of the original six teams. Uh, there's always been a, a small but vocal, uh, let's say, uh, fan base for the Blackhawks, and especially when the stadium was still in existence. I mean that was just a raucous barn, as we like to say, and it was fun to go watch games.
0: Yeah, because uh, before a lot of people, I think it's because of the televised situation, and a lot of people didn't go to the games as much as like the Cubs, or they didn't. It didn't really have as much exposure.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a Bill Wurtz uh, decision. Uh, he felt as though the fans who were going to the games, if they if they paid for a seat and he was televising home games, uh, they were getting gypped somehow. Uh, but there's no better way to promote a sport, especially since high def is come into being, and the technology is now there, uh, there's no better way to promote a sport, especially hockey, than to get it on TV. And I think Rocky Wartz came in, and I don't know if he specifically said this, but he probably thought, all right, well, I'm going to do just the opposite of what the old man did. And well, lo and behold, they had success.
0: Well, um, when you went to Canada, was that your first professional job?
1: Uh, no, I had uh, lived up in Canada, then moved back down to Florida. Uh, I made connections through Disney Uh, with folks at ESPN. So then I moved up to Bristol, Connecticut, and I worked at ESPN for just a little over a year. And then that ran its course, and uh, then found myself uh, making my way back up to Montreal.
0: So what did you do after, you went to college, right?
1: I did, yeah. I went to Illinois College in Jacksonville, Illinois, which is just outside of Springfield, a neat private liberal arts school, um, and had a blast there. And that afforded me the opportunity to do an internship at Disney World, and then kind of from there, everything, you know, the domino effect, and that's kind of how things unfolded for me.
0: So when you first got into uh, media, did you want to do journalism or what did you want to do?
1: I was lucky because I grew up, like I said, um, in Glenview. I went to Glenbrook South High School. Uh, Very fortunate because they had a TV and a radio program, both of which I was involved in more heavily on the radio side and was bitten by the bug back then. So I knew what I wanted to do early on. Again, very lucky. And when Robert Murphy was still in his heyday, uh, Murphy in the Morning at Q101, uh, I had a chance to intern with his show, uh, Dave McBride, the newsman, and uh, was there for the better part of two years and then decided, well, I better get myself to college because uh, that seems to be the route that everybody's going. So went back, went to school, uh, got my bachelor's, and here we are at WLS.
0: Wait, so what was Robert Murphy like?
1: Great, great. I asked him one time because they used to make fun of me. I didn't know how to operate an iron apparently so my shirts were always wrinkled so I was always given a hard time on and off the air about my wrinkly shirts and I went up to Murphy one day and I said look you're always so well dressed and he was impeccably dressed beautiful suits great shoes I mean he at at four o'clock in the morning this guy looked like it was he was ready for a two o'clock in the afternoon meeting and he said quite simply this is my nine to five job you know, bankers go to, you know, 8.30 to 4.30. This is this is my 9-to-5 job. I feel good when I come to work, and I'm well-dressed. And I thought, well, that makes sense.
0: I didn't but know he, that. he was a very nice guy.
1: Very nice guy. Very funny.
0: Yeah, because he had that reputation of being funny. Um, did, he get, did he have a car, like a company car, that drove him to work?
1: He didn't have a company car that I knew of or a limo service. I think he had at the time, well, he may have had more than one car, but I think he had an Austin Martin. At one point in time, but he was, you know, back then it was, you know, look, it was it was Murphy, it was Brandmeier, it was Kevin Matthews, it was uh, Meyer and Dahl. I mean, you know, these these guys were the best, not only here in Chicago, but really, I, I'd, I'd pit them up against anybody across the country. I mean, the Chicago radio is just so rich with those type of personalities, and and these guys, yeah, they made a lot of money, but but they earned every cent of it.
0: Well, you said you did uh, TV and radio I mean, in high school, but what got you interested in radio? Like, why radio instead of TV? I
1: don't know. I just like, you know, it's, it's the theater of the mind. Not that people in TV don't work hard, uh, but I think in radio you've got to be a bit more creative. I don't want to aggravate the people in TV because there are a lot of talented, creative people on the television side, but I think radio, you really you have to bring it to life. You have to bring it to life through good writing. You have to bring it to life through audio. And you have to be able to, to really tell a story. And uh, in commercial radio especially, like what I do here at WLS, uh, you know, it, you've got to do it fast. You know, there's no time for us to dilly-dally around because you get five minutes at the top, you get two minutes at the bottom. So how, how am I going to take that and, and make that compelling, which is the challenge?
0: Yeah, so when you – how do you make a compelling story and, like, how many seconds do you have?
1: You know, I, I – It really changes update to update for me. If there is a great piece of audio, President Trump, some sports figure, some newsmaker here in Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, whomever, I'll let it go. Because I I would rather have less of me and more of the subject matter. So if if the comment is poignant, if the story is powerful, then if a a clip lasts 25 to 35, even 40 seconds – I'll let it run out because again less of me is better and more of the subject is is what people want to hear. They they, they don't want to hear the news anchor go on and on and on about stuff.
0: So how do you actually write a story? What's um it's because I know that you know generally like for instance newspaper stories can be very long but radio stories cannot.
1: You know, I've always tried to keep in my mind the saying, you know, economy of words. You have to use powerful words Try not to dabble in hyperbole too much, um, but you have to be able to tell a story in a few short sentences, get to your clip or actuality, and then move on. And it, it changes. It literally, it does change update to update depending on what audio I have available to me, what new pieces of the story are emerging. Um, the Jussie Smollett thing is seemingly kind of an ongoing saga here in Chicago I had to deal with that the other night and there was new information coming in about that so you just you you kind of write around uh the story and you leave some open spaces to plug in updates to plug in what's breaking at the time
0: yeah and the alleged attack actually happened literally below this building that we're in we're in the NBC tower right so yes. there it must did you see the police or anything
1: no it was it was close by but it was late at night as i recall and It was one of those deals where, as you're reading the initial accounts of the story, the knee-jerk reaction, like what ABC did, is to jump on board and get this guy on. And, oh, wow, well what a powerful, compelling story. They did zero due diligence in terms of asking the pertinent questions. Meanwhile, you've got the Chicago cops, who I'm sure these guys have seen it all. They've experienced it all they're probably thinking to themselves almost immediately, this does not pass the smell test. But did ABC do that? They didn't. They had Robin Roberts propped up there interviewing Jussie Smollett. They completely dropped the ball. And now we are where we are with the story. And quite frankly, I mean, as as a as a news anchor, it is the gift that keeps on giving. But I would at some point in time like to put it to bed.
0: Well, how do you what what did you learn about fact checking? Actually, when you were um, when you've been in journalism for a while?
1: You have to. You, you have to you look at I I know that social media has completely changed the way we do business. I get it. But if I were a news director, if I were a program director of a news talk station or a news oriented station, there would be a sign at the top of the newsroom door that would say, first of all, get it right and check your politics at the door. We don't need your personal opinion. We need the facts of the story. We need compelling storytelling, like I said, and you know you've got to make sure you get it right. And I'm I'm so adamantly I'm so adamant about it is what I should say, and, and it just it's very frustrating because you know almost immediately that let's say somebody tweets something out and then there's a link to something else and there's a deeper story, you know that they they didn't do what they were supposed to do as journalists.
0: So, for instance, with Jussie Smollett, which um, supposedly happened below this building, what do you think they should have done?
1: I think they should have done Journalism 101. And that is you you start probing. You start asking questions. It's not easy. It, it's a it's a charged story to begin with because he's black, he's gay, and he is part of, I, I guess you can say, the Hollywood you know, in crowd, a list people, but you you have to you have to say okay, all right, well, look, detective so and so or or whoever's holding the press conference, he says that this happened, but what are your thoughts about it? We know it's an ongoing investigation, you know, Jussie so you said that they they threw did they did they tie the rope around your neck did they pull it did they pull you to i mean you 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 start getting to the bottom of these things you know oh you had a sandwich in your hand well how did you fight them off i mean just just simple common sense sort of things and then all of a sudden you start pulling at that thread and and the sweater begins to come undone and you know look we are where we are because he lied
0: and uh but you know, I was thinking when you think when you talk about fact checking, I think about the city news bureau, which doesn't exist anymore because I'm reading this biography of Royco, and they had to get every fact right, and if they didn't get the color of the shirt correct, they would have to go back and find out what it is. So I mean but in your in your I know you're not like the age of Royco, who's dead now, but um have you seen changes in journalism?
1: Yeah, and it's due to cutbacks. When you don't have editors uh, watching over the writers. And, and that's not, I'm not saying that in a bad way. When you don't have news editors, whether it's TV, radio, print, w- whatever form that takes these days, um, things are missed. When you don't have people who have the experience looking at these things, fact checking them, proofreading them, um, you run into a lot of mistakes. And it's really problematic in our field these days. Um, because things go unchecked people get sued jobs are lost and it's all due to cutbacks Uh, these media companies they just don't want to pay the money anymore and where they cut are the areas that are most vital and most important to their operation you're listening to the radio girl podcast with margaret larkin
0: and thanks to Jeff Davis, who's at jeffdavis.com. And I did this interview before the city of Chicago shut down for the virus earlier this year. I wanted to wait to post it because I had to get used to our changed lifestyles. Basically, downtown is empty now. What was Canada? Like? Well, actually, first, you did mostly sports in Canada? All sports.
1: All sports in Canada, yeah.
0: So what? how does sports operate?
1: You mean just in general up there, or
0: yeah? I mean, uh, yeah. Well, first of all, up there, did you see a difference between Canada and here?
1: You know, the, the principles apply. I, you know, I don't. I mean, I don't care if you're in Canada or Mexico or the UK or you know France. The, the rules of journalism apply to covering sports, to covering news, to covering entertainment. You know, it's the who, what, why, when, and where. And you know, what, what are you what are you covering? You know, what, are, you, are you covering a press conference at City Hall? Or are you covering a you know an, an alouette's game or a canadians game um, you know so no there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot different up there i mean there were nuances as far as the culture goes obviously you had the bilingual aspect uh, covering especially the canadians because you had a lot of french canadian players so there was kind of this you know well, you had to let the french media go first and then you know the english media came in behind and so but you know that that kind of stuff is is really not an issue um but, uh, yeah, so there's not, not a whole lot different between Canada and here.
0: Were they hesitant at first to hire you because you're American?
1: Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I was fired from an all-sports station and then immediately went to the news talk station and said, hey, you know, I'm looking for a job. And I think they hired me because I was, I was cheap. I was cheap talented. I needed, I needed something. I needed it right away, and I needed some benefits and uh, that's what it afforded me and then they found out i think quickly uh that i did have some talent and that it was probably good that they kept me on board to develop it and um i I was busy i I mean i was there were there were times during the year where i was working six seven days a week but i loved it
0: yeah what did you love about it
1: Uh, just being in sports i mean when you when you do it i i mean it's it's hard to explain but you know you're in a locker room or you're at an event and and it's your job to you know bring that event to life if maybe somebody didn't hear it on the radio or watch it on tv and just just being in that environment being around the the other people covering sports being around the athletes uh, having the ability to stand on the sideline during a professional football game or even call a professional football game which I I did I usually did about six to eight games a year uh, when I was up there and and, and you get to you get to travel. I mean, I, you know, look. Let's be honest. I I would not have seen Canada the way I did, unless I lived and worked up there. Montreal, Toronto. I was in Winnipeg. I was in um, Regina in Saskatchewan. I've been to Edmonton. I've been to Calgary. I've been to Vancouver. So the only place I didn't get to go to was Halifax, which I understand is beautiful, but. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and also, um, did you did they give you a problem because of spelling? I know this sounds like a minor thing, but whenever I think about working in Canada or the UK, I think about the spelling situation.
1: You know, it's, yeah, like theater, right? You know, it's it's R-E up there as opposed to E-R where, you know, we spell it. But no, you know what, really, I didn't get a hard time because I, I kind of lucky, my accent is not really regional, so I, I was able to fit in up there uh, where I ran into some problems, Early on, uh, was pronouncing the French correctly. So, for instance, um, you know the the circuit Gilles Villeneuve, I was pronouncing it Villeneuve, and people said, "Well, it's it's Villeneuve," you know, or um, the the Maritime Province uh, Newfoundland, it's not Newfoundland, it's Newfoundland. So, just little things like that that uh, kind of made it fun. People got uh, some people got a little. Ticked off about it, but I made the adjustment. I can learn.
0: <laughs> now, when you came back to the U.S., um, did you have to adjust to the culture here?
1: No, no. I mean, I you know it was great getting back here because the the junk food aisles here are, are more plentiful than they are <laughs> up there. Um, but uh, no, you know, it's really it's interesting. I, I'm I'm glad that I had an opportunity to live in Montreal and in Quebec versus toronto which in, in, in its own right is a great city you know or, or calgary let's say or vancouver because you do have the you know the joie de vivre of the french and and that kind of culture up there and again it's not something that a whole lot of people get to experience so um yeah but not, not a huge change
0: so and then what was it, what's it like um is the work and I'm, I'm like really breaking this down but because i've never i've been to canada i've never worked there um is their work style different up there
1: not really um i think they work just as hard as we do uh now they they do take advantages of their you know federal holidays and their provincial holidays i mean they 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 will let you know that it, that's their time off and uh, they're a little bit more militant about it than i think we are here but no they look at uh, canadians uh, quebecers uh, people in montreal uh, they all work hard uh, they all have a job to do um most everyone that I came across up there were very, very professional, uh, and it was just a it was a real treat to be up there.
0: And then how did you get back into news if you did so much sports?
1: You know, I got back and I mistakenly thought that because of my body of work in Montreal, I'd be able to immediately jump into something here. I was wrong. Uh, it took me about two years to get something here that was steady. I had gone over to WGN, and the program director there at the time, actually, and talk about just dumb luck, had heard me online before when I was still working at CJAD in Montreal. I asked him, I said, "Well, what are you listening to, a Montreal radio station?" Well, turns out he's kind of half Canadian, if you will. I think his father was from Canada, so he's got ties to Canada. And then there was there were some other kind of you know six degrees of separation sort of ties between the two of us. And he said, well, I'll bring you in. I'll interview you. And he did. And after the interview, he goes, I I like your experience. I like your body of work. I'm not sure what to do with you because of your background in sports. And like I said to you earlier, Margaret, the same rules apply to covering sports that they do to covering news. It's good writing. It's making sure you get it right. It's, you know, getting in, getting out, that sort of thing. And, And they hired me.
0: So you didn't really have a lot of news experience?
1: I had zero news experience. None at all. Um, but they put me on the weekends. They put me overnights. Uh, you know, let me, let me get my uh, sea legs under me, so to speak. And um, within, you know, a month or two, I was, I was off and running.
0: Okay, I have talked to uh, Jordan Burnfield, who did a lot of sports, and now he does news at WGN. And he was talking about the similarities between sports and news. What do you think the similarities are?
1: Well, Jordan being much smarter than I am, probably had a, a more um, a, a better answer for you. But no, I, I know Jordan well. He's he's a good guy. Um, the similarities. Look, I, I I'm sounding like a broken record here, but but it is similar. You know, you you as a sports anchor or a news anchor, your job is to disseminate the information in a clear, concise manner, in a manner that people want to watch and or listen. So the writing has to be strong all the time. Uh, You've got to be able to speak and read well. And, you know, you have to be able to cut through sometimes, Margaret, and I know you know this as well. You've got to be able to cut through sometimes some pretty complicated stories because there could be a lot of moving parts. And you have to be able to simplify that. Not that listeners and viewers and readers are dumb, but you have a finite amount of time to get that information out. Uh, you know, we're not in commercial television, commercial media. We don't have the luxury of a BEZ where you can explain each aspect of a story. You know, we've got to get on with it. So, um, but I, I, you know, those are the those are the similarities, really.
0: Now, what about um, bias? Like in sports, is there a bias issue?
1: You mean like from covering a team versus,
0: or your opinion about a player, or whatever?
1: I'm sure you do. I mean, we're we're all human, right? You know, it's. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe some guy rubbed you the wrong way and didn't give you the time of day or whatnot, but i you know I'd have to say that when you ascend to this level, you know and you're here in Chicago and you're covering sports or any other any other big market or really any market to be honest with you, you, you know you, you got to keep in mind that we've got a job to do. they're doing their job, we're covering them doing their job, so you know. Do they get sensitive and, and, and a little uptight sometimes when the questions aren't to their liking? Yeah. But, again, that's our job to, to do that. So I, I don't, you know, are there biases? Um, probably. Uh, I, I don't see it. Unless you're an opinion guy. Unless, unless you're a columnist or that's your job to formulate uh, controversy, to formulate opinions, to, to get a reaction. Uh, but guys who are out there on the beat and, and women as well who do a very good job I, I don't I don't see it
0: what about biased news because for instance Jussie Smollett okay so when we say that name and we're in literally the area where you know that his incident happened um, how do you stay unbiased about news
1: uh, I'll go back to what I said earlier uh, check your politics at the door and I, and I, I you know underneath that if you want you can put check your personal feelings at the door as well this is news we, I mean again again we're all human we all have our opinions about things but your job as an anchor or as a reporter is to try your hardest not to interject your opinion into the story and i see it all the time and it's aggravating i have to write around it i have to edit it out from the sources that i pull from it's just it's sometimes it gets very daunting and very difficult And look, you don't have to shed a tear for me. I love my job. But it just makes what the objective news people do a little harder.
0: And then you're on a talk station, and there's basically one political angle here, in my opinion, unless something's happened while I took a nap earlier. But um, so does that apply here, too, even though it's a talk station?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, WLS AM is what it is. It's a right-leaning radio station. They make no bones about it. In fact, they promote it that way. Um, But when it's time for news, we cover it right down the middle. I can say that with 100 percent honesty. In fact, what I'll do is I will go out of my way to, for instance, let's let's say I'm playing a Trump clip from the State of the Union. Well, then I'll make sure that I sprinkle something in there from the other side you know, whether it's the response or whether there was that back and forth between he and Nancy Pelosi. And I mean, just, you know, I I always try to make sure that I've got both sides of, you know, especially political stories to make sure that that it is balanced and that I'm not favoring one side or the other.
0: It sounds like you've had a pretty good career. Um, Now, what kind of advice do you have for people who want to get into it?
1: Uh, You got to do it. Um, I would tell people, I know this is going to make Folks that teach journalism cringe do not major in journalism. It's great to take it. It's great to study it. Uh, it's great to practice it, especially at the, at the collegiate level. Uh, you don't need to waste your time majoring in journalism. And I'll give you a great example. I worked with a guy who was a biology major and a journalism minor. Now, he ended up working professionally in journalism as an anchor uh, on, on radio, but he had something else that he knew and was passionate about and didn't just pigeonhole him into being a journalist. So I would advise people to find something else that they love to do and pursue that as well. Uh, this is a very volatile industry. And then I would just tell them to, to do it. You, this is, this is a craft. This is something that you get better as you do it. And you start off and you feel wonky. You might feel a little out of place. But the more you do it and the more the years pass and the more you practice this, craft of journalism uh, the better you get uh, there I don't I've never seen any 18 22 25 year old just all of a sudden hop up there and and they Walter Cronkite it just doesn't work that way
0: what did you major in
1: I majored in communications and theater because it was either this or selling insurance so
0: <laughs> do you do theater
1: I used to yeah I used to it was fun I did uh, did it in high school and did a little bit in college. Uh, I realized that I was nowhere near uh, the, the thespian that I thought I was. So, But it was still fun to be involved.
0: So um, now that you've done both sports, and first of all, most people I talk to want to do sports. But mm-hmm. now that you've done sports and news, um, do you think you'd want to go back to sports?
1: I'm going to say this. I'm to the point in my career where if it's news or sports, if it's a steady paycheck, if it's a salary, if it's with benefits, I'll do it. Um, I don't want to deviate from news or sports. Yeah, I mean, if I had my druthers, I'd be, uh, you know, play-by-play for the Chicago Blackhawks or I'd be, you know, calling Pittsburgh Steelers games or something like that. But um, that's not the way it works. So, yeah, as long as I have a steady paycheck uh, and it's in in news or sports and I'm I'm still doing this, then I think that's okay.
0: And you do Illini here, right?
1: I do, yeah. We just started broadcasting uh, Illini football for the first year. Uh, this past football season, we're doing basketball right now. They're in the midst of their season, having a fairly decent run. And yeah, I got to go down to all of the home games. Uh, heavy on the social media because we take in the broadcasts from the Alumni Sports Network. But it was—I mean—it was a lot of fun. It was fun to be back in sports. That went over Wisconsin at homecoming was fantastic. Um, and you know, the former Bears coach Levy Smith has got—he's got a good thing going down there. So I think—I uh, think he's building a program that they've always wished they had.
0: (laughs) Let me know what you think. Email me at margaret at radiogirl.us. You can also call or text me at 716-202-TALK. That's 8255. And like the Radio Girl Facebook page, you can find out about who's coming up next, see pictures, listen to audio, and more.